Welcome back to another episode of the Evolution Exchange. Today we'll be talking about how to build a bad culture. And we have two leading experts in the field. Um, Wen from SoftServe and Dan from Telstra Purple. Hello, hello. To you, buddy. Should I go first? All right. <laughs> okay. So um, I think it's with a quick interest. So, uh, so my name is Wen and I am currently the Apex CTO for SoftServe. Uh, we are a now 30-year-old privately held company uh, based out of the US and uh, founded uh, very proudly in Ukraine. And um, for really the last 30 years, we've had the privilege of working with I would say some of the most um, interesting, innovative, uh, both startups, um, ISVs, um, and uh, large corporations uh, around the world, helping them to to really do a lot of the build, the engineering, and um, actually even some of the advisory around how do you really connect uh, your business needs and strategies to the tech that actually makes it happen. Uh, we're essentially builders by um, by kind of culture and by by heart, and so I'm. Looking forward to talk a bit more about uh, culture and um, just a little bit more about my background. Um, I was previously with uh, a company called Amazon Web Services. Uh, it's it's like a small it's a it's a small uh, internet provider. I think it's um, what, you know, what we used to describe it as. Um, yeah, uh, my my kids actually still have no idea what I do. Um, the oldest actually says, uh, "Daddy, Daddy plays with Legos uh, for a living," um, which I, I I ran some workshops with Legos once, and they they kind of glommed onto that. Uh, but I, there I, I led um, what was called the uh, Innovation Advisory Practice. Um, it was a global practice where uh, I had the again sort of the um, great luck to to work with uh, very large and small companies, uh, usually at the uh, senior levels, to help them better understand what they meant by wanting to be more innovative. And a lot of this was uh, bringing uh, sort of best practices, uh, not just from Amazon, but also from you know sort of the rest of the world. Uh, so you, know, you, have, you have these sort of naughty words like agile and design thinking, and what does that really actually mean when you want to put that into your culture? So I um, did that for a couple of years. And before that uh, was a lot more uh, classic software engineering, product management. So uh, at the end of the day, my what, what gets me up in the morning is looking at uh, interesting opportunities or problems, um, usually on the customer side, figuring out how do we actually create value for their customers and in the process create better business. And um, at the heart of it, um, since I was, I would call it sort of um, raised uh, professionally in the digital era, um, how do we do it in the cloud? How do we do it with technology? Over to you, Dan. I think you stole them all the puzzle. <laughs> so so um, you probably can't see for, for those of you watching, uh, we're actually playing buzzer bingo while we're doing this. So, so every once in a while when you see Dan and Sean go like this, like, yep, there we go. <laughs> About three minutes out of the morning. Hey, everyone. Uh, my name is Dan. Um, I head up the Telstra Purple business here in Singapore. Um, Telstra Purple is part of Telstra. Telstra is Australia's leading telco uh, with a services products of, um, in outside of Australia, I should say, our international business. Um, we're in four regions and it's a, a large, large company. Um, as I said, I head up the Purple business, which really is the professional and managed services are really driving. Uh, the experience for the users and really moving them to those kind of cloud-first experiences. We're very we're a strong Microsoft partner here in region, and um, so we're doing a lot with them. And my role is to really work with the awesome peaks that we have within the team and really grow them and enable them to thrive, as you said, to kind of solve our customers' challenges. I think that's the best way to describe my role. Um, so when we do talk about culture later, uh, it's an important it's an important part as we've kind of grown culture. Um, over the last two years and doubled the team size here uh, in South Asia. Uh, my background, uh, I'm from England originally. I did my master's in Sweden um, and I spent the 11 years in Australia as kind of head of technology, head of delivery roles uh, before moving to Singapore. I've been here for four years, um, that whole time at, at Telstra. Um, I moved here well for my wife. It's an interesting story. <laughs> and, 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 and now have uh, two young children's here. Uh, children here. Loving being in Singapore. Enjoying working at Telstra. And uh, looking forward to the conversation. And then just a quick shout out to Telstra Purple. Um, so um, in my old role, uh, my, my team had the actually privilege of working with uh, with your peeps down in uh, Perth, and oh, nice. they, they absolutely loved the work that was done. So so yeah. Oh, it's interesting. It's, a, it's an interesting journey for me. I've, I've always worked in kind of 100, 200 people companies trying mm -hmm. to build a culture, working that kind of digital technology in a company that can go very, very fast. And moving to Telstra, a larger company, and that's spun up a services arm. 
And so we are like, a, especially in Asia, we're like a startup with inside a, a huge company. And um, so it's great. And as I said earlier, as you mentioned before, our whole business is around people. The people we have in a team, how they come to work every day, how they bring the energy to really help our customers uh, thrive. Thanks for that. So as we know, right, culture these days, it's almost like a buzzword, but we can't deny that it's important to any success, uh, success of any company, essentially. So in, in your careers thus far, when was the first time you actually gave serious thought to this word culture? And how has that changed over the years? Please, after you. Yeah, sure. Um, that's an interesting question. Uh, I guess for me, when I moved, uh, I, I've been in Australia a few years. I'd, I'd worked at a kind of 20-man company uh, that had grown to 30 people. I'd led their design and technology arm. I'd moved to a, a larger digital aid, the, the leading marketing agency in Sydney at the time. Um, and it was kind of 2IC to the tech director. And I could see the way internally that the tech team were being treated by the production team, the PM team. And I was like, this is very transactional. They're not building any relations. And they're going straight to people and telling them they need to work on their piece of work, ignore those pieces. I was like, right, guys, we need to have a better culture here. We need to spend a bit of time with the PMs, really set ourselves up to succeed a bit more, build those relationships, as well as putting in a bit more structure to really help the organization to thrive. And I really enjoyed it, right? I really enjoyed looking after the team. I guess it's, they're all, they're senior people, they're all great people, but they were being pulled in so many different directions, right? I was like, right, guys, let's let's come together and actually work closely and build a culture where, use me as that as that pinpoint and that, and that person. If if you want to decide what needs to be done, right, rather than just taking these people in so many different directions. And I really enjoyed that. And I guess that people aspect to the role. I think it's probably always been there, right? But I guess that just emphasised how important it was. Just to jump in a little bit, I think um, you know how you treat people or stakeholders internally is also a representation of how you treat people all your clients and customers externally. So I caught um, John Wick over the weekend and one of the standout phrases was how you do anything is how you do everything. And I'm like, wow, you know, that's um, so true. It's going to be such a relevant, you know, thing to think of moving forward in my career and in life essentially as well. When, what about you? I think it was about maybe 10 years in my career before culture as a, as a, or corporate culture rather as a word really popped up. But what I'd say before that, I sort of naturally gravitated towards companies and roles where I felt like I I belonged, um, and and I think that's so to your point about like how how you treat people, um, and you know sort of early on in your career, uh, a lot of a lot of that um, sort of who you become professionally, I think, is also informed by the managers, the the mentors that that you get, and and I was lucky in that most of the companies um, that I I joined early on, there was a heavy emphasis from the leadership, from the management around. Uh, both the ability to encourage and foster growth, um, especially not just for you know, fresh out of college folks, um, uh, but also senior folks, but also the, that ability to actually have the back and forth um, kind of debates. Like there, were, there was almost that that sense of, uh, and just, especially this is pre-internet um, and or right at the dawn in internet and um, and still a very kind of almost hierarchical type mindset even in the in the U.S. that that no one was perfect and and i think that that helped me to sort of start appreciating that that um the types of companies that you choose right as um you know as a listener um as you know each of us uh is heavily dependent on also who you are and i think of as i started learning more about who i was and i think that's also just as important um it became became easier to actually find the right types of companies where I would enjoy not just the work that was done, but also the people that I work with. And even like today, um, one of the, the strong reasons I, I picked um, uh, moving over to SoftServe was the fact that the company fundamentally only has three three goals that, that they go after. One is, of course, uh, revenue and profitability. We are a, um, you know, still a um, for-profit company. Uh, the other two are um, customer satisfaction. You know, MPS is essentially what we use. Yeah. And the third one is uh, the EMPS, which is employee satisfaction. And so for me, Having been able to grow up in a in environments where where people matter, um, having you know to be a part of a company, to be part of the leadership in a company where people really matter and it's being tracked, um, mm -hmm. I think it's very important that culture is a buzzword in many ways. But 
how you define it, how you provide that shape, and then look for the people who gravitate towards that type of culture, I think is really, really important. People's pay packets at, at Telstra, whether mm -hmm. they're on a sales plan no, no. or on a non-sales plan, mm -hmm. the NPS is part of that sales plan, either for the nice. owners yep. or, or for their for their sales. Mm -hmm. So again, super important. And actually, yeah. the name Telstra Purple, <laughs> Purple is, comes from people and purpose. Like it's oh, nothing to do sorry. with color. I was, I was people people and purpose yeah. put together yeah. right? because people are at the core yeah. of a professional knowledge service, digital transformation, whichever way you want to call it, company, right? So, yeah. And actually, it was uh, someone inside the company mm -hmm. that came up with the name. In Australia, a few people were like, I don't get it. Why purple? Are they trying to be cool? Is this like. <laughs> but no, it's, that has come from inside Telstra. That's um, really cool. And actually, when we first meet customers and we're telling the story of Telstra Purple, that really does resonate. Yeah, I mean, I could say certainly from um, from from our perception, both you know, working with uh, with Telstra Purple uh, back in my last role, as well as, as just general feedback. Uh, as an organization, you do have a I would say a, a different um, brand perception, and and certainly, or at least the, the perception of the culture um, outside is, is quite different than the parent organization. So I think I was doing a. I was doing a, a mini TED talk mm -hmm. uh, last year and public speaking, I hate <laughs> it. makes me so anxious, <laughs> um, like a lot of people, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I've signed up to the Telstra Purple Ambassador course, which is a 10 on 12 week course, which then ended up with a five minute mini TED talk mm -hmm. in front of a larger wig. And when I was deciding what I wanted to, I wanted to think about what culture. Cultures at the heart of everything we do. And we had lots of different exercises through. Uh, and one I drilled down into how to build like high performing team and the right. Culture. And actually, I started with we always reflect, right? I always reflect and I think about where I'd done this in the past, what would I do different? And I remember uh, across some roles um, earlier on in my career, I was sort of right, I need the best team, I need the, the, the highest performance. I would now say I have a slightly different opinion. Yes, of course, we want high performers. We want people who really bring effort, empathy, and will gel with the team. Being someone who is a, an ace coder or <laughs> that doesn't gel with the team and always wants to do something in their own way, I would question are they the right person for your team? I, I wonder what maybe your, your feelings on that. Yeah, I, it's actually, that's um, funny. So in, in just about every role I've, I've had, especially um, when I started hiring, um, it it almost always boils down to, and I, think I love actually funny enough that Amazon very ex almost explicitly says this um, in, for internal hiring. Um, it's about eighty percent culture fit and twenty percent um, skills, and and even though maybe you do including yeah it was funny because it's so um, so I was, uh, I was a bar raiser at uh, at Amazon which um which is which is a really unusual role I think and most companies don't have it um it's it's that single role that that has a veto right to hiring next to the next to the actual hiring manager and and I mean I would be thrown into interviews for I mean I, I like I think my favorite um, were were the data center um, related roles so you had everyone from like pure network specialist to uh, project managers that that would be responsible for creating the brand new data centers. Like I know nothing about that space, but yeah. my my role was precisely to just focus on are they Amazonian, and that was you know, like part we'll call part one of that role. Part two was um, there's a there's a decision that that is informed, and this goes back to that not everyone or not everyone's perfect, and the hiring manager. Um, actually relies on a number of data points, um, and that's that's why there's a, feels like there's a you know ten interviews. Um, we try to keep, we try to keep it down to basically text screen presentation, and then five people, so seven give or take. Yeah. Right. Um, Sorry, no, no, no. I get that all the time. <laughs> In some cases, I've seen ten interviews, but um, but the um, the, the role of the, the bar raiser was exactly around okay. Um, this person's gone through the tech screen. They've gone through some um, uh, presentation. Uh, we know they can do the job. Now, the question is, will they fit into the culture? And just as importantly, the the great thing about the culture, or in this case, it's the leadership principles, um, you know, corporate values, guiding principles, whichever whichever term you want to use for a career company, everyone has has something similar. That that's that's um, not, nothing unique about Amazon. Uh, but it helped inform: Would you fit in? But just as importantly, what is your potential to actually continue to grow? And I, I thought that was a really interesting bit. Was was that if we kind of break it down to like 80-20. 20 is the job you do today. 
The other 80 is the potential for you to do even more to continue to grow essentially in the environment that that was created for this particular team at Amazon. And so to your, to your point, um, when you when you hire for culture um, and you hire for fits, uh, it, it's actually probably, well, you know, my biased view, um, a, a really good thing to do because if um, if you get rock stars who, yeah, they can get the job done, but they they cause other people to leave, um, which you know, it's funny. I've been talking to a couple of friends now where they're they're saying we have one or two rock stars, but they're just and not really a rock star. Like customers love them, but oh my god, they're 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 pain to work with and. You know, um, they're, they're constantly blocking um, our ability to do other things, and and then you have other people who are, you know, to your point, like really good good employees. Um, they, they may not have that sort of quote unquote rockstar status, but they keep things going. They'll start looking, and you know what? They'll they'll have many other options, and so so that culture fit, that ability is oh, so huge. You want them to challenge. Yeah. You don't want something just to go along. It needs to be a, a challenge that makes sense to the rest of the team. Yeah. That is thought through. That isn't every single every single time, right? And then with single mindedness, just to actually go and do what you want to do anyway. It doesn't all work. Yeah. Well, um, throughout your career, uh, what has been your interview process for? Obviously, Amazon has a way set in as well. Yeah. Let's say when you've had more control over the interview process, or how have you gone about it, and has that adapted through the years? Sorry, chef, and kind of just taking oh. your role. I'm going to learn from you, so I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask you back that exact same no, question. No, I've got my own thoughts. That's I'm, just, yeah. I'm keen. Um, it's, I mean, it's, it's evolved. I mean, it's uh, it's much like just being, what I call it, in any manager role. Like I started off with the, um, are you going to be able to do the job? And uh, do I believe that you'll you'll be a part of a team, right? And that that's yeah. how I started. Um, where I think kind of Amazon's informed a lot of my change in in hiring is getting other people and especially a diverse group of people, right? Diversity and thought and roles um, uh, and backgrounds really, really helps. Um, I, I'll, 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 I'll semi-joke that I'm, I'm a terrible hirer um, if, it, if it comes down to just me hiring somebody by myself. Mm. Um, where I find real power is, is bringing in people and having that back and, and in fact, actually some of the best hires typically are the ones where there is a debate yeah. in that we believe, um, you know, you'll have half, half the group uh, going, actually, we shouldn't hire this person. Okay, why? Let's talk through it. And the other half will be like, oh, best person had it out. And in that, that process, you end up finding, um, you know, either the job description wasn't right, maybe yeah. it's not the yeah. right job. Um, and then you also find interesting things that if, uh, if it was only one or two people asking the same questions, you won't, you won't get that full view. And I'm just going to say one quick, quick story uh, about this. Um, we, we, we had a, a round of interviews where actually everyone was inclined to hire this person, except one person was on the fence in, in that. They, they, they just make this one comment saying, I really like the person. But then when I looked at their resume, it felt like they weren't at the roles long enough to really have the impact that they, they did. And, and then, so then suddenly that, that ended up going back to every single person and they, they would look back at the notes and then look at sort of the CV and go, yeah, actually, I mean, this is essentially a procurement role. So if you're, mm-hmm. if you're in for less than a year, there's no way you can have that downstream impact. And as a result, and I, I've never seen this um, happen again, but it was interesting to see what was a everyone was thinking rock star let's hire to at the end making that decision actually we shouldn't hire because there were too many red flags that that brought in the question is this person actually really telling the truth and i, I think that's sort of the power of, of of sort of like group mindset and then as a hiring manager sort of my role is to to actually we we'll call it sort of facilitate that and then ultimately that decision still rests on me but that's i think how my my evolution is really learning to to find a group of people who can provide me diverse data points, have that, we'll call it disagreement, and then use the data to actually inform a decision. How about you? So going back to the example of when I was working at the marketing agency, yeah. when I joined there, it was a CTO, mm-hmm. uh, this was 12 years ago, it was a bit longer. This method was just pure culture. He would do yeah. one or two interviews based on pure culture. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm not sure I completely, think that's the right approach, yeah. right? Because I could definitely see people in the team, the nice people, Mm-hmm. They didn't have the tech skills that was needed. So I'm kind of, over the years, and this has evolved slightly, it's kind of like, so we have a culture that if you understand what they may be looking for, understand their background, mm-hmm. understand their interests. Yeah. 
mm. have them do technical roles or take take away technical time. I'm not, I've never been one where they need to do it in front of me on the screen. Yeah, go away in your own comfort, your own home, have a few days, mm. bring this back, come back and walk me through. Explain some of the challenges have you had, how long this took, have more time and headspace. What would you do differently if you were thinking about it now after the event? What, what would you change? Where extra stuff would you need? And like you, and, and that has worked, right? Because that definitely yeah. means uh, that you get people who are technically competent. I like to think now people are a, a cultural fit. It does mean spend a lot, lot of time recruiting, right? Because the amount of people who will come in and do well in that cultural uh, part, then struggle in, in that other second round it, it is a lot. Definitely seen that a lot uh, over the last year or so. And I think it's a vital part. And look, depending on the roles, right? If they're coming in to do a delivery role, they will come in and just walk through a presentation of what they've done. They're going into more pre-sales role, and I want them to kind of pitch to me as, as if I was the client. Right? And, and to your point, I would bring in someone from sales or bring in someone else from Diffie. And we try and keep it to two or three interviews. So I think seven, personally, I think six. Um, quite exhausted, yeah. Especially for the size of team that we have. Over. Just don't have that time as well, right? To yeah. Be perfectly frank. And I think people can get put off by it. Actually, you see people get put off by actually doing the technical. I, I stick to it, but you get you see people. And what be interesting to see if obviously it's gone from a kind of uh, market to maybe now a company market with, with all the changes in tech and patterns that you see and the types of people that, are in, that come into the team. Have you had to make any hard decisions in the last? when you were trying to hire in a tougher period, when it was a candidate market? Great question. Um, honestly, the, the, the hardest decision you've had to make is compromise on on our hiring. Um, I mean, it's uh, it's funny because um, like even right now, um, there are like we have multiple rooms open across across the, the, the broader just APAC organization. And, and it's um, and it's like there isn't a shortage of work. There's definitely a definite need for for these people. In fact, I would say we probably actually need about double the number of people that that we have available you know, open. Beyond, um, you know, we, we had a couple, I think, miss misfires in terms of um, either hiring for a specific role for that specific sort of customer uh, that that I think kind of ultimately created more work for the rest of the team on on the back end. So. So nowadays, it's uh, it, it's really about clarity of is what is the role, uh, what's the growth opportunity. It's an interesting yeah. point by making compromise during any of those times. Have you been ever threatened with losing headcount going across financial years? Because that can change and whatever the wrong yeah. person can potentially be hired. Yeah. Situation. Yeah. So 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 software is a bit a bit unique in, in that as a as a privately held company, and, and so the founders are still the you know. Pretty much all the majority shareholders uh, or uh, complete shareholders, I guess, um, effectively. He focuses on growth and sustainability of the organization. So, if there's a headcount, that headcount actually can disappear. Yeah. Um, but it's not tied to uh, typically sort of a bungee cycle or a quarter cycle. It's really tied to the needs of the market. And so, if um, if we're seeing that that the the market is is um, slowing down or shrinking. Um, it's it's not actually a bad thing as a, as a manager or leader to say actually let's let's work the headcount because yeah. we know that the minute signs show that we need to start investing or yeah. really start growing again, uh, headcount can just as easily come back. And I think there, there's a, there's a healthiness, but I, I do remember it's also days. looking after people because right? yeah. you don't want to push forward, bring something into that role that then. If the market is changing, you have to then tension it and go. You're exactly. Just, that's yeah. not well-being. That's not wellness of people. Oh, yeah, and and um, and that, that's exactly it. It's like um, I think part of part of um, the challenges I've I've seen um, when dealing with other other companies around around their culture was when you have these sort of fixed cycles. Um, and, and I usually liken it to the um, super budget that that you have to spend before the, before the, <laughs> the year ends, right? Um, in some ways, I guess your headcount resources are sort of similar. That's like, I better hire because that headcount is gone. But that just it's just the amount of time invested in getting the hire in. Uh, if it's a, if it's a well, not optimal hire, yeah. then you have to either manage them uh, you know, to perform, manage them out, um, or you end up finding a better candidate that actually you could have waited, right? So there's all these things where, where I think um, 
of it isn't just the manager or the culture, but it's really also the organizational structure, the, the financial, financial structure and budgeting that, that has a huge impact. I, I, I guess the, the message there is time. Don't be rushed. Push back if you need to. Your, rather, your organizational structure also allows for it because yeah, sure, otherwise, you, know, you try and do the right thing in a structure that isn't designed for it. Then you need that just push back where you can. <laughs> well, <laughs> I should bring a little asterisk in. Like, well, I mean, this is speaking of which. I mean, because you, I mean, since you run run the organization, like how like how, how do you make how do you make those trade offs? Last one in Geo, I probably did spend probably a bit too much time recruiting using yeah. the method I used before. Uh-huh. Um, but not everyone, we had a growth year last year, um, not everyone I brought into the team was, was the right fit. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did the best we could. We, we, I tried to bring in uh, the right people for those, those interviews, but it happened from time when you, uh, everyone has the best interests. Employee, the candidate, I want to take the next step. We feel that person ready for the next step, and it might not quite still be that right role. So you just have to really weigh up and spend time with everyone with inside your team to be able to try and make the best decisions. As I said, as you mentioned, Brad, I think you really just need to think through these things. Try not to be pushed into something, and otherwise, if you want to join an organization and be six months later to leave, right? That's not ideal for candidate, I guess. Was your organization recently um, from about hiring more female talent and how much you can say that it is there a kind of just <coughs> um, CVs, interviews, bringing of female talent into tech roles inside your organization? Obviously, historically, maybe I think the word is there is more males who are mm-hmm. doing engineering degrees. And I don't know of the statistics here in Israel, right? In the UK, a business and IT degree that's all IT. There was 102 people in the class, 100 mates. In Sweden, and where I was there, it's more 60 40, and they had females to more technology people in school. And I, I don't know, shout them it's like here in Asia. Mm-hmm. We do see, especially in Telstra, trying to bring in more equality in the workplace to ensure getting to a CV level of. As much 50 50 as all. And to bring in three more females through for technical interviews. And let's say a job requires five skills and they, they have three, bring them in and give them a chance and grow them to have those justified. How are you guys are approaching? Just to um, piggyback off that question as well, I, I think, you know, um, just going back to the buzzword bingo again, diversity, inclusion, what's these days as well? How does that as well? Also, don't forget equity. Exactly. How does that equity or equality? equality? I've heard equality, equitable. Yeah. <laughs> How does diversity, inclusion, and equality, you know, play part in in team culture and company culture? You're literally wearing a shirt, so <laughs> making a statement. So I, I feel, I feel like. Uh, well, I want you to answer the female pit pass, and then maybe then we can come back. Okay, that's some interesting. Yeah, I'm going to start with a really controversial statement. Um, there's two way streets. And the reason I say that is that there is, like you pointed out, uh, starting in college, I was, and I, was a chemi- I was a chemical engineer, which I believe at the time, and you know, as males in college, we pretended to keep the number of women in our classes um, notice rather. Um, we had the highest percentage um, females in any in, in, in engineering department. That was about 20%, fairly high. Um, I think computer science back then, this is pre-internet, was in like less than 1%. Um, you know, we had 100 males, and it was literally one. It's a bit like my uni degree. <laughs> yeah, and, and so, so there's. I think there's a challenge already right there, and so, and so, so looking into the market and and saying that the higher, the higher for more more balance is is, uh, is difficult because when 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 the, the pool isn't there, it it's a very very difficult. It's, it's like trying trying to say we want to do the right things, and. The most important precursor steps. I think have what I what I very really value over the last five to ten years is um, is that sort of growth and awareness, um, especially of strong female technical leaders that are out in the market. So, um, so you have like you know um, women in engineering, uh, STEM advocates um, for females. Uh, hopefully, will help solve the problem ten to twenty years down the road. Um, and to your point, it's um, rights as who have the potential mm-hmm. is is powerful. I I tend to miss 
and I'll be biased in this in this case, um, to not people out in my my ratios, right? Um, if it comes down, that's shit. It's a good point. Yeah, but I mean, but the thing is, like, it's hard, right? Because um, if uh, especially in a, I won't name which company that I was a part of, where they, they started having these arbitrary ratios, um, and it wasn't just about gender, it was about you know certain races, you know, U.S. Yeah. Um, it becomes hard because think about it from their shoes. Um, one is like okay, great, you know, I've, I'm now entered, uh, you know, might be a prestigious uh, tech company, but it might also start having sort of that that kind of side effect. And I've, I've literally had this from 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 colleagues. Did I get in because of my gender? So this is right. an interesting yeah. point because I was on a panel last week for women in yeah. leadership, um, and I guess the asked me a question around, and I was like, the females I've been honored to lead across Australia, in Singapore, in mm-hmm. the UK, aren't looking for a free pass, looking for equal opportunity. Like they're looking for equal pay, they're looking for um, opportunities for or for promotion. Mm-hmm. And for being recognised for good work, yeah, right. And that, that is the important point. This is not to give someone a role because that's yeah. a different thing, but it's about getting the equal opportunity to them into the team because you still need to be able to do the work. Yeah. And, and as a leader, yeah. I, there's also um, I mean, I think I was um, uh, we talk about um, a lot about sort of signalling, right? It's it's not just what you'll tell tell the team, tell the work to do. It's also how you how you show up, how how you how the rest of your leadership um, behave, and um, it's like when when we provide space for you know it doesn't have to be just women; it can be any um, uh, background that that isn't widely represented. That they 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 feel comfortable, they feel safe that that they're there because they were actually the best candidates, right? And I think that that's also the other part. So, I mean, it's so funny about my last my last team. Um, and, uh, don't I rarely really sort of talk about it um, outside of my my job. Um, Stickley was actually fifty percent women uh, globally. Um, my direct leadership team was just over fifty percent um, female, but chosen because of gender. They were chosen because they and I could kick the ass out of every every other teammate and, and customer. Um, but what what I did notice though was it, it took forever for that first. Um, uh, first female hire that that was brought into the team, yeah. but was such a strong, amazing leader, um, and such a great role model that that it, it had a snowball effect. Where when you're going through the interviewing process and you, you have women, um, and like the, the, this is a team though that had no brand recognition, um, and even though it's Amazon, and it, it also it's part of a tech team, they're, they're thinking, why would I do this versus you know joining like a I know a woman design agency or, or something that that had more diversity? But they start seeing that they're you know, role models and that they're that are actively kicking ass, they're not token hires. And to your yeah. point, like you you want to hire the best. And I think that had that snowball effect where next thing you know, we're we're hiring um, you know, a lot more women than men, but mm-hmm. we're not actively having to seek them out because we're going we're just hiring for the best. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. It, it's hard to get that it's like get that first couple that go, Yes, this is exactly what we're talking about. Yeah, you mean to team make sure that you've got the right culture coming back to the culture, and they're 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 leading and representing, like yeah. you know they yeah. And maybe this isn't just a female, mm. it's male. Being cultural, cultures differences between Australia and right. So leading teams in in, in Asia where lots of outspoken, lots of people yeah. have their view, and it's more about managing. Okay, all right, guys, just just take it one at a time. Yeah, <laughs> to, to hear. And actually, it took me a while to get used to it, where lots of people won't like to speak out when they need to. As a leader, you have to ensure that you go around, you afterwards get everyone's point of view to make sure it is balanced and give everyone the like, cheesy but make sure everyone is heard, that everyone yeah. has a voice. And that form part of the tech talk that I was doing, part of culture is fascinating to see yeah. the dynamics of the teams as we scale teams, ensuring one to one is that we have the team meetings and everyone in there yeah. have an equal voice, not just a person of chat to Alice in the room. So, so I love that you, you bring this up. So how, how, how do you, um, as, as a leader of leaders, who sort of foster and, and, and kind of, I guess, sort of um, reinforce, uh, get everyone to, to have that equal voice? I mean, in, in, in meetings where 
in, in general, like in the workplace, especially if you're it's, not always, it's, it's not always, always going to happen in that exact yeah. meeting. Like you can try and yeah. you can stop people and you can try and mm -hmm. agile design thinking methodologies to bring everyone in into the room yeah. and really all encompassing. Mm -hmm. I think it's reaching out to people afterwards, whether it be face to face, whether it be on Teams or Slack or whatever your communication yeah. platform may be, but also having those those one to ones as well, right? I mean, to ensure that the people are happy and actually having people with inside the team know know these people that you can go to and say, hey, do you reckon they're okay with that? Mm -hmm. Well, right, because people, not everyone's going to want to come to the manager or the, the two up and say, yeah, this, right? So it's important to have. Or within inside the teams who you trust, who you can go into for feedback, showing that this isn't just your view that or it isn't just a couple of people's views. It's every of us. I've seen change really help me as a leader, right? and especially as we've grown, right? We've doubled in size over the last over the last year, and, and I've actually brought in another layer of, of people. Uh, again, I've been speaking about this before, or maybe it's at the beginning. I can't, I can't remember. Mm. Um, and actually having. Technical leaders that come in, so not people who are doing like, reviews and all this stuff, but who are, let's say, in their pod, so a delivery pod leader mm -hmm. with three peeps here, actually using them to ensure that they go and get all the feedback from their ticks. Actually, still having one or two ones, the pods, and all the people in the pods, these ones, and see how they're going. Well, it can just be a coffee, it doesn't need to be a formal sit down in, in an office, like a quick coffee, see how they're going, to find your things, see. For the team meetings, is there anything else they wanted to add? I think they like that, like the fact that it's not just down. Yeah, we've now got this another level of structure, and you just talk to your direct reports. Actually, still, still a purple team. This is sounds a bit cheesy. It's, it's still a purple family. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I like I like the use of family actually yeah. for for um, for teams at, when they're a certain size because it really does feel like a family. You're awesome together. You don't always hit along, and you do have your favorites no matter what. Mom and dad like But you just mentioned that, that your team doubled in a year. Yeah. I mean, that, that is a that's a massive growth. Like how, how well, do you it depends if you started at two and doubled to four if you don't, went from fifteen to thirteen. I'm not gonna give you numbers, but I, 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 I know roughly numbers you, you shared shared before. So uh, I'll put it this way. It's uh it's it's an it's impressive feat to double. Yeah. Um and like so how, how do you how do you handle keeping the culture call it reasonably consistent? I mean when when you have all these new joiners in the year. The rewarding process is obviously important. Yeah. Um as a larger tech even though we are Telstra Purple as a larger organization, those mm -hmm. onboarding processes are always seamless. So working as an organization to improve yeah. it's important that we think who's gonna be your buddy on the first day. I will always make sure the reason I'm in a different country there on that person's first day, I'll walk them through the team, I'll walk them through the structure. Mm. I'll make sure we go out for lunch. I'll have a buddy with them. Someone in the pure delivery team, I'll make sure their pod leads pod leads there. Right. They're doing like catch ups with their with their pod lead mm. once a fortnight right. and I would also check in with them as well. Mm. Do stand ups as a team in person mm. uh, once a fortnight, I mean once every three weeks depending. And mm. that's sort of a week deeper. And get everyone the face to face for the people in Singapore. Team is across Singapore, Philippines, and we have sort of two delivery partners in India. Um, but where possible, we like to try and get people face to face. We try and go out and celebrate as a team, um, sort of seeing where the numbers are, but how the revenues are coming in, and yeah. when we hit kind of some mile, mile points uh, as revenue as as a delivery organisation, the delivery organisation, we we go and celebrate that. That's important as well. Mm. We finished on a. On a larger project, go and tell the salesperson, right? You need to go buy him and his lunch. Let's keep, let's keep it together. Let's, let's keep the the bottle yeah. around because you know, relationship between the technical consultants, the senior tech consultants, the pre-sales, and the sales is important, right? It's all about relationships. It comes back to the same thing: people looking after you. Probably went a bit waffly there. <laughs> The thoughts are coming out of my head as well. I, I, like, I like the examples of the, um, yeah. the, the various activities, right? Because that, 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 that for me always feels much more real than mental health or like the, the theoreticals that, um, you know, sort of paints like, well, we have to do X, Y, and Z. It's like, no, the things that we, that you did for this space. I feel like we're, we're leaving shot. Yeah, I'm yeah, no, 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 so just thinking so, the same thing. So, like, yeah, I'm, like, I'm just, yeah. just happy to be here. <laughs> Sorry, Shen. Yeah. So, um, maybe you can talk about the company <laughs> here. How, how, how you, you've gone about and you've grown in some of the 
think it's it's quite similar to to what you guys talked about. You know, the the way that we assess our internal candidates is pretty much on uh, their attitude, their ability to learn, grow, and fit in more than the technical skill set. Because at the end of the day, technical skills is something that you can be taught, right? You just need to have the right person, the right attitude to want to learn and to, to work well with others. I think that's um, definitely a, a very, very important factor, culture, you know? Um, we talked about, you know, um, you know, maintaining and building a, a good culture as we scale up. On the flip side of things, not necessarily scaling down, but in term in times of uncertainty, like like right now, you know, with all the retrenchment that's been going around, you guys um, maintain a positive work culture with all these question marks flying around. Yeah. Um, so we we just recently made made a I won't say it's a large, but it was a business decision, and I think that's a it's actually a really timely question. Um, it's handled probably the most key the communication um but i'll point to my old company because uh, that that one gets very well documented for every big or small decision that gets made uh, i would just say for uh for, for the, the viewers or the listeners out there just uh just go and google uh you know the latest round of um amazon uh, layoffs or retrenchments um and and then the articles covering how the ceo has it right then you know, there's strong opinions good and bad in the past, um, and also the current company, you communicate what's happening, and why it's happening. Also, what is the support for for those who are no longer part of the organization, and also just as importantly, uh, those who are here and have to extra extras. At the end of the day, that's all you can really do. And I, I think kind of the worst. They're yeah, going to the theme of uh, you know terrible cultures. Worst thing consistently that I've seen in dysfunctional cultures is that inability to communicate. Some being present, right? Yeah. Personal decisions against a person. Right? These are business decisions to check. Yeah, I'll give an example of my company in Australia. Right, going to was a little bit in Sydney, in out of Brisbane, and we had to. It was so we had to kind of see a better way to serve our customers included building a more of a delivery offshore in India and having uh, some more multi-delivery uh, pods of teams in Sydney, which changes to Brisbane and Adelaide. So one of the first things I had to do in the organization was to look around and kind of see how we restructured and spend some time with people in Adelaide and, and make some hard decisions. These decisions down and spoke to everyone individually that, that was affected and explained why. You had to make a few more changes a year later and that's when you go down, oh, oh, we will go and do this, you don't have to. It's like, no shots, absolutely no shots. We're doing as a business. Spend a lot of time with these people, I care about these people. Not a personal challenge choice, it's the shape as a business to, to grow and thrive. This is the one who went there and I spoke to everyone affected one by one. Because it's patient and it's being present, right? Explaining the reasons to them and giving them that support, right? Ensure we give yeah. them a fair package for people who are leaving so they're covered financially, but also the middle. So some people have been there 20 years. I struggled slightly. Mm -hmm. were, um, maybe, I don't know if it's allowed you said, but I slightly with that culture. I know they're giving good packages. Maybe some people have found out uh, yeah, the cult people is important yeah. to me. And then with you, and then I, I, I'm, I'm American and that's... Yeah, sure. um, I don't agree a lot of the way some you know, uh, certain companies handle the way they the determinations. Yeah. Uh, I, I will say that in this era, the companies are in a global in nature, and so and so it's yeah. just as much the corporate culture that is evolved, and not necessarily just um, but, uh, American labor laws that allow yeah. you to do certain things. Sure, fair point. Yeah. yeah. Actually, it's interesting to be your point, though, because um, we were actually just talking about the other day, um, sort of like the, the difference in labor laws in, say, Singapore, um, yeah. Australia, and then um, because we, we have a sizable presence in Europe, yeah. uh, European you know, labor laws within the EU, and we'll call it sort of you know, adjacent to EU type uh, countries. Uh, and there, there is a certain part, I mean, really around how the governments um, handle employ um, employment contracts. I think Australia is uh, more fair, right? Well, yeah. some people, and not myself, think that Australia is maybe too much too fair. Yeah. the other way. They're handy because of the unions, they have so much support yeah. for the employees. 
support underperforming employees uh, and not just member redundancy, it, yep. it makes it very, very hard to make changes. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of trying to find that balance. Um, changing culture, have you ever found yourself in a position where you've entered a new team, new company, and the culture? I mean, not as ideal as you would like it to be, and you have to effect some change. Literally, my first project. <laughs> uh, that one, that one, that one I'm going to go for. It's a, it's a not safer podcast conversation. Innovations. Um, how about this? Change um, is hard, and and I, I'll, I'll use my favorite analogy, which I, over innovation and transformation, is it's a lot like one that they need to change who they are though it's more like telling a loved one that they need to think right and and so if there's that initial reaction of whether who the hell are you telling me to do that why don't you do it first um there's the well it's when you first join because you want to try and build a bit of rapport with people yeah and it's really showing people that actually these are a different way of thinking maybe this is a different way of yeah. rating right and yeah, uh, I, I give the Adelaide example, right? So the first one there, we, we, we made some changes and then I was, it was such a waterfall organization, mm -hmm. even for all of the projects they should be doing, they should be run, they could be, they should be run in a more agile way. Yeah. Education to the team and we showing them, actually, this is the way we can do it. If we, if we work as a team, if we're more outcome driven and actually get to better results for our customers. Oh no, Dan, this is the way that we've always worked. I, I understand that. How about for the next project? And run it like this. Look, if you're overrunners or whatever, don't worry, it's not late. It's not on you. They like, like this. Yeah. So slowly, slowly approach, shifted the mindset. And if you go back in and speak to some of these people now, and the guy actually had run the Adelaide office for me, he was like, Dan, you were so right. I just needed you to kind of show me that way rather than come in and just dictate to me and show me that way, different way, and that it was going to benefit this and help me on that journey. You're 100% right. right? being right, but it's, that was the way that it didn't change it, the, the culture slightly. Help people think in a different way because they didn't know everything why. <laughs> so they needed to be shown. Answer the question, I don't know sure. Yeah, and, and I love that um, you just provide that example because a lot of what we used to see is essentially trying to tell, tell an organization and you know, usually they'll hire consultants to come in to look, you need to change. Here's how you should change. You know, to point, it's it is about that change, and and where we we were, I guess me, my team had great successes was getting the leadership to try out those changes first, adopt, and and then you said it's like it's not it's not a we have to change. Um, let's try a couple things, and it's great. Let's let's build on that, and that's, that that where that's where I've seen move slate uh, in a positive direction. Uh, and it's not a it's not a um, you know instant weight loss type formula. It, it does take time, and and in, in that process, going to kind of right sizing a company, there were people who would be a part of that journey or should not be part of that journey. And I think it's also part of that combination around times have evolved, our customers have changed, who we need to be need to be adapted. Um, are you be on this uh, on this journey with us? And I think that that's also a very very hard conversation to have with books as well but yeah for the day um what are some unpopular maybe slightly controversial opinions on you know building culture on each back and forth well you're not always gonna you're always gonna keep everyone happy right you, you have all the best intentions you can get all the best feedback you can try and give one-to-ones uh, the team is right and, and build the culture that you will have and you think you should have and always going to be happy there's always probably going to be someone who wanted that promotion that didn't that hasn't come soon enough there's always going to be someone who thinks they should be paid a bit more money maybe they should i'm not saying they shouldn't but always going to get the absolute perfect culture it's to change the something that companies as they scale tend to tend to forget um it's hard because is how do you change culture um, the mechanisms that that you can you can allow both kind of a top-down view of how culture changes, so as well as um, you know, from grassroots, right? So uh, that's that's one that I don't know if it's unpopular, but it's that anyone wants to take a that a couple of times. I think hundred percent has to come. It'll, 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 it'll be well, both. It'll be both. You're right. It's like like top-down 
Elto for me sets an example that yes. um, a lot of how the culture evolves. Um, you know, let, let's take uh, how all the Gen Zs coming into the office, right? That that's going to have an impact on your culture. And I, I guess what that is, it's not yeah. just foreign culture; it needs to come. From. Yeah, you, 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 you need that to be down to both right? ways. Yeah. You need to see that example being set. Exactly. <laughs> it's ever evolving, right? It is always changing. Gen Z, how many gens are going to go to? Think something different way. Maybe we need to talk as leaders. We need to be constantly thinking and just show evolving with the times. Yep. Business was done 20, 30 years ago. Tater style leadership is the way now. Under 20 years' time, and there will probably be different ways of doing it. Right? So as organizations and as leaders, we, we need to evolve with the time. I think, you know, it also is closely related to the business goals of the organization. Um, some smaller companies, you know, the, the, the immediate goal is to focus on now. And that's a very different culture to, you know, if you're looking to scale and build something for the long term. And from a third party point of view, as a, as a recruiter, you see that more often than we'd like as well. The difference in terms of culture and sometimes, you know, management change, right? Because whatever's working right now works, but it might not be the most sustainable um, or culture. That last one of this, which is be you. <laughs> um, I, oftentimes, when organization cultures first evolve, they're, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's authentic. You can, you can actually distinguish, uh, we'll call them technology firm A from technology B, you know, from both leadership and who you hire. But the larger, the larger organization grows and more successful and for more customers you interact with, it becomes, it becomes harder to, to not pull, um, especially inadvertently, but then you end up with with almost so many compromises in, in how you operate, the people you hire, and ultimately just becomes, for lack of a description, bland. Right. So it's not to say go out and shock people, but but if, if that authenticity, that uniqueness yeah. to, to your, and, and you know, in, when, in a rough times, um, employers have to pick up employees, but you know, it, it's, it's gonna go back to some sort of balance. And and those who are with, with the company will want to stay because they're, they're proud of who they are first and foremost as a, as a professional, but also who they're with as a company. And if your company is just, you know, generic, um, generic uh, cookie cutter across the same industry, that like is actually the worst, worst use of culture, right? Organizations in Telstrip in Australia are going through a, a reorganization now. The cultures continue to evolve, right? Yes. That we are serving our customers in, in this way. An internal culture is a culture back to our customers and how we treat our customers well. Because we that culture with our customers and those relationships. Uh, what is the business? Yeah. First, I agree, you know, I think my own opinion is that people are hard to please. So as you know, as organizations grow, you can't please everybody. Yeah. And you're just out there. Yeah. That's all the time we have today. Thanks again to Wen and Dan. Lovely to have you guys on board for this podcast. Thank you. We'll see you in the next podcast.